we are delighted to announce our newest podcast sponsor from right here in Derby, Mezzo. Located right next to Pride Park, Mezzo is Derby's newest concept in the fresh, delicious, healthy fast food game. Mezzo uses all local produce to create fresh, authentic products with no processed ingredients and everything is made fresh to order. Mezzo bringing that Mediterranean style food right here to the heart of Derby. Choose from their pick and mix menu via their online buffet service or choose bespoke bowls. And with prices starting from $6.95 it really is a great affordable option. They offer eating, takeaway and delivery from all major delivery services, open on match days and they're even available for private event bookings. And of course, as listeners to the podcast, we have an exclusive offer for you. Use code RAMS10 for 10% off total basket price on online orders only. Give Mezzo Derby a try. Check out their app on Apple and Google stores or visit mezzodarby.co.uk. Mezzo. Eat well. Love life. Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast with Jason hosting duties for me on my own today. But I'm not alone in the panel. The panel is an absolute mixed bag because it's an absolute mixed bag of a show. We've got Justin Peach, who's no stranger to a microphone from the second tier. Justin, how are we doing, mate? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Really good. It's been nice to, I say, have a break from football. Um, I mean, following a third tier team, there's now no break from football. So, yeah, not not quite the same, but um, yeah, no, all good over here. Good. Uh, obviously, as the podcast is all about Derby, plenty to talk about uh, about that. We've also got Gab Sutton on. Gab, I'm not sure if this actually is, might be your first time, certainly on the podcast or not. I can't remember, but I know we've had I don't think I've come on before, actually. I think you, yeah. might have, you, you and Corey might have done my show a few times, but I think uh, we first have. time on the pod. Yes, and, and of course, because we are ticking very, very closely towards the end of the season, we have to bring you in for, for that expertise. And uh, th- th- there'll be a few Derby County questions coming your way as well. And then, of course, sure. podcast regular Jack Bryan. Jack's here to talk, obviously, all things Derby County. And then me and Jack have got our own segment to sort out later on about the Derby and Forest women game from last week that we both attended. But, Jack, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's been a, been a busy weekend. There's a, there's a fair bit that's gone on. And Justin's saying about no break now in the third tier, as we record. I mean, I've got the misery of Scotland as well, being half Scottish. So, recording this on Tuesday night. So, yeah, it, it really doesn't stop. I mean, Derby, England and Scotland, what did I do? <laughs> I must have done something. Yeah. You sport England and Scotland. That's an interesting well, combination. My dad was English and my mum's Scottish. But what would you do if your your dad was a Derby fan and your your mum was a Forest fan? <laughs> would you then sport both things? Well, dad was a Derby fan and then mum's, I mean, there wasn't a local football team. So, yeah, that was easy. Okay. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my missus is half Scottish, Scottish. So when when that fixture comes around, the households are the households are right laugh. But uh, <laughs> I've, I've converted it to Derby, so that's all good. Um, yeah. But so we, we obviously on the pod because it is Derby County based. We are going to start with with Derby County. Bloody hell, <laughs> we have to. Um, and so the first section is going to be all about that. Strange result game again uh, on Saturday for Derby. Um, I went there, but I watched it. 
and Gab, I want definitely I want some of your insights a little bit in a minute on some of some Derby fans' opinions on what what's going on at the club at this moment in time. But obviously, Justin and, and Jack, this is more focused at you for for the time being. Justin, I'll come to you first. It's a game that you know. I mean, even when it, even when this was a championship fixture, obviously you, you would have covered Peter a fair bit on the second tier. It, it was never London Road's never a place that you want to go to, and and it's a place that Derby went to on Saturday, sort of out of form. And the talk was that obviously Derby had to turn up, Derby had to put in a in a fair performance and, and to get a result, which is always I think the bare minimum that you need to do to go to London Road and get something out of it. But then you look at since Darren Ferguson's come in back back to London Road, Peterborough are an absolute fire. Derby are sort of in this crazy little position at the moment. Um, and I saw I saw too many comments um, over the weekend that, you know, Derby needed to go there, should have need, need to get a result. A lot of fans were quite disappointed and, and there's various different messages on Twitter over, over the weekend that I saw about Warren doesn't know what he's doing and, and this, that and the other. Um, but at the end of the day, this... Justin, this this was Peterborough away. This is this is one of the toughest places to go in league in League One. You would you would argue, um, and for the first forty five minutes, Derby did what they did a couple of weeks ago against Plymouth. I thought bossed the first half, but unlike the game down at Home Park, Derby didn't take the lead. And as we know, goals change games. And if Derby had scored in that first half, I think the second half and the overall outcome of the game might have been slightly different. Um, but the first forty five minutes, Justin, Derby. Certainly performed a lot better than they have done. They they performed better than they did against Fleetwood. They probably performed better than they did against Oxford. And so to not grab that goal, as we say, football goals fo- change games in football, don't they? And that first half, and then the second half that followed. Uh, I mean, as a Derby fan, we we sat here and we're uh, we're a little bit disappointed, aren't we? It's it's certainly a frustrating period for Derby, and I think what we saw in that first half against Peterborough are a lot of problems that have. Um, followed Derby throughout the season that inability to um, take advantage when they're on top that inability to last the 90 minutes they're not a 90 minute team they haven't been all season yeah I go back to the Forest Green game where we peppered them at home 4-0 and it was one of the most underwhelming performances I've seen from a Derby side for quite a few years actually it was a really really pedestrian poor performance and I think that lends into that lack of um, being able to you know, maintain an intensity for, for 90 minutes. Paul Warren teams were all about intensity. You can argue that they slowly fade towards the end of a season. Rotherham have always been, especially in the promotion season and, and also their relegation from the championship, they faded towards the end of the season. That might be down to um, lack of squad depth or, or whatnot. But I think he's suffering the same issues with this Derby side now. But as you're saying, that first 45 minutes was a good 45 minutes. And from my point of view, probably a good reaction to that. <laughs> Well, I, I get one of the worst games of the season against Fleetwood. Um, but I think just a lot of the issues that Derby have had this season is is that, that inability to take control when, when they've got control, if that makes sense, um, and, and take the chances when they come. Um and it just it just all, all came in that second half. It's just typical Derby of this season and probably very symptomatic of a side that was mashed together very, very quickly in the summer. I think that's um a perspective that everybody needs. Yeah, and and Jack, is it is it really you know we which we would obviously we watch football week in week out and we we know Derby County pretty much in inside out, but we know about a lot of the teams that are in this division. We we know about a fair few of them. 
Was there any surprise that Peterborough were not going to play the same in the second half as they were the first? Because Peterborough, in my opinion, were absolutely awful. Um, there was a comment actually made, I think it was on Radio Derby last night, I think um, uh, Eric Steele made it, in fact, that it was almost as if Peterborough knew how Derby were going to play, sat back in that first half, let let Derby do what they wanted, which obviously is a, is a dangerous thing if Derby don't score. Derby didn't score, soaked up all the pressure, and the second half that they knew that they were going to run out of legs and they could knock it around Derby and obviously ultimately pick, picked up the 2-0 win, even though... I think it's fair to say both goals probably could have and should have been avoided. Um, but Paul Warren's team talk in that in that half-time break, Jack, it, it's, that first 45 for minutes was, was a good first 45, uh, exactly what Justin said on the back of that result against Fleetwood, exactly the kind of reaction that you wanted. Didn't create enough, so you can't say deserve to go in, in in front, but the performance was was in, was in, you know was impressive in that first half, looked good. And then surely that team half-time team talk must have been, they're not going to come out the same the second half. They are going to come at you. And it's just the basic fundamentals at the moment that Derby in that second half are just not, they're not watching for. And then is it fitness? Is it, you know, whatever it is, there's just something about Derby County at this moment in time that second half is a complete polar opposite to the first. And unless they are 2-0 up, and even 2-0 up sometimes isn't good enough as we saw at Pride Park against Shrewsbury, three weeks ago when, to be fair, we probably should have lost that game in all fairness in this, from the second half. But what is it, Jack? Is it, you know, is Paul Warren's message at half-time just not getting over anymore, as it, as it probably was in that 15-game unbeaten run? Or is it accumulation of tiredness? And let's face it, no disrespect to Peterborough, one of the better sides in the division. Yeah, it's going to be a combination of those things, most likely, isn't it? There's... It, it's inevitable there's going to be some sort of fatigue, particularly with a small squad and playing the way that we do. You know, as, as Justin said, this is something I've seen a lot of Rotherham fans actually mention on Twitter about Paul Warren's team over the years at Rotherham. And I think, yeah, I mean, that point actually that you th- was on Radio Derby is an interesting one. Is there now an element of let Derby come at you first half, burn themselves out, and then and then play your own way. I mean, Peterborough, you both said, really soft place to go. You know, tight game earlier in the season that we won late on. Late drama last season at London Road. If you remember, Jack Stresson came on, got that equaliser, didn't he? And then, um, yeah, it was a very late goal, in fact. And then, yeah, there was, in fact, it might have been two. It might not have been an equaliser. But yeah, that We've seen a lot of that. Peterborough are always difficult. And, yeah, fatigue, certainly a factor. Paul Warren's spoken in quite a few press conferences. I've heard him speak about his squad and starters and finishers and how he wants to, you know, with the five subs, he wants to use them to get fresh legs on and have a squad, and that being as important a role in a lot of ways as the starting eleven. Now, does he have those players? Because what we're seeing is players coming on in that second half and how much are they you know how much are they doing how much can they impact the game because things seem to just completely change it's like there's a, a switch flips at half time isn't there because we go in at the break having been on top I mean not not as threatening as we have been in some other games but on top and then second half is just completely different and we've seen it at Plymouth we saw it against Fleetwood we 
Although, to be fair, that was pretty much done, actually. Uh, saw it early in the season under Liam Rossini as well. There's been a lot, you know, a lot of instances of this. Is there a, is there a pattern here? Is it symptomatic, as Justin says, of the squad being thrown together? We've got to factor all these things in. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And um, this kind of goes a little bit away from Peterborough and ex- expands it a little bit. But this is obviously, Gab, this is where I'll bring you in. The, sure. there, there are there are Derby fans at the moment that obviously they're, they're disappointed with the defeat against Fleetwood. And I, I can I can fully get behind that. I can fully ac- accept that one. Even though I thought Fleetwood was were, were pretty decent on the day. Derby weren't at the races at all. But, you know, you've got to beat what's in front of you. Derby couldn't do it. And there are a few fans at the minute, but Peterborough definitely being one of them. But I think if you look at the last five away games of Derby, it's been Wickham, Barnsley, Plymouth, Oxford, Peterborough. And the only one one that we won, and probably in all fairness was expected to win, if any, was the Oxford game. So in the other four, you're against top four, top six opponents. And you've got to turn up and compete. And Derby have been on, obviously, we we lost 4-1 against Barnsley. Which was a was a strange strange result. Probably wasn't a four one game, but Barnsley took the chances. But Derby were in the Wickham game, but at the time I think Wickham had got the best away, home record in League One. You go to Plymouth, who had got the second best home record in League One, took the lead and capitulated. Uh, and, and then obviously, and Peterborough. Is there any point in this gab where you look at it as from a sort of a Derby's perspective? And are Derby fans because of that fifteen game unbeaten run? probably thinking maybe a little bit above their station at this moment in time. And then, as we've all just kind of said, the realisation of what's gone on at Derby over the last 12 months, you know, you look at some of the bigger hitters down here, Ipswich and and, and play and teams like that. And Sheffield Wednesday have obviously been down a couple of years. I think everybody kind of expected Derby to go straight back up whilst it wasn't impossible, was, was probably unlikely. But any team who goes on a 15, 16 game unbeaten run and really starts to starts to perform the, the way that they did, even though if you look actually over those 15, 16 games, I don't think there'd be anybody in the top. I don't think they played anybody in the top six other than Bolton uh, and, and got a result. So it, it, it's just, do you think Derby fans, are, some Derby fans, this is not all Derby fans, but some Derby fans are, are probably just looking at it at sort of at the wrong time at the minute. And as I say, with that away record at the moment, the, the, the away run that Derby have been on in the last five, I don't think there's many teams in this division that go to those five team five teams in this league and, and pick up, you know, three wins or, or or stay unbeaten or things like that. So is it just a, you know, some Derby fans have just got to accept it for what it is, Gab, and then you know look towards as we're going to move on to later the, the next the last seven or eight and try and even though Derby are in a sticky patch, just try and you know accept where they've come from and and, and move forward. Yeah, it's it's really interesting he- hearing that, and uh, and obviously hearing from from Jack as well about um, maybe there there is this feeling that Derby have have run out of steam a little bit. And do you know what the problem that, uh, as I see it, that I think Paul Warren is trying to contend with is? I think the squad was um, uh, put together very late in the summer, 
And that is not conducive to sort of building a sustainable squad where it's carefully planned and you've got your first choice players and your backup players and who comes in for the stylistic continuity. It's The squad, I think, is actually a bit of a mess. Now, it's a mess with high quality, granted, because you've got the likes of Conor Hurrahan and Max Bird and David McGoldrick and you know, lots of really good wide players. I don't want to underplay that. But I look at it and I go, uh, you've not got an aerially dominant centre-back. You've not really got two two natural full-backs, let alone four, because um, Craig Forsyth is more of a centre-back these days. You've not really got an understudy to Max Bird. Whenever he's been out, some of the performances have really suffered, because if you've not got a six, you can do that. When you've had to re- Whenever you've rested James Collins, David McGoldrick's taken on a completely different role. So really, the only areas where you'd say there's loads of depth is probably out wide, where you've got you know lots of options. But other than that, I think it's... Um, I think it's a squad that's been kind of thrown together. And I think Paul Warren actually said in one of his interviews, I think just after the January window, that, you know, um, I think he was a bit diplomatic about it. But you could sort of read between the lines. You could tell that he probably wanted more because the squad, David Close took over Derby. Um, a few weeks before the start of the season. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if pre-season training had begun by the time the takeover had taken place or something close to that. So for me, that's where I see the problems with Derby. And I I think that there has to be some level of acceptance uh, of that within the fan base. Now, I get that Derby County Football Club are going to have standards because you're one of the big names of English football. You're previous um, champions of English football and all this kind of thing and playing in the third tier. I get at 30,000 people, of course, you're going to have a certain level of expectation. But I think there has to be an element of realism that comes with that because this is Plymouth Argyle have planned for their squad for the last three and a half years, four years. Derby County have, have had to throw their squad together in a month, pretty much. So for me, that's the, that's where the perspective comes in. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair old point. And to be honest, you look at Ipswich. I mean, obviously, last year you, you saw some of the players that Ipswich were signing, some of the names that Ipswich were signing, and you were like, wow, they're really going for it. Started off really well and then absolute faltered in 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 the second half. And this year, you know that other year, that next transfer window, that that another year of able to that gelling process, I suppose it, it, it always shows. And obviously, Sheffield Wednesday, kind of kind of the similar. And and just in you know, bring it back to Derby. Gab brings up a great point, and it's obviously it's a point that I suppose some Derby fans kind of want to not talk about anymore obviously what happened in the summer and and everything but you, you do have to look at it and some of the players certainly in that 15 game unbeaten run that we were going on I mean some of the players that we had at the some of the players that were in the form of you know absolute form of the lives in that run against as I say probably not some of the biggest hitters in league one but you can only beat what's in front of you but Mendes Lang was scoring or assisting every other week Tom Barkhausen had a, had a period when he come back from injury where he'd, he'd scored you know five or six, we were keeping six, seven, eight clean sheets in a row. Contrast that another five or six games down the line where we've conceded 14 in six games, I think it is, or something daft like that. I think it's the back line from what has always been not a solid back line because of the mis- misshape of it, looked solid in the, in that period, absolutely looks so far away from it now, it, it looks it almost looks alien, and it's the same four near enough, the same four that are playing together. Um, and then Mendes Lang's gone off the boil, Barkhausen's gone off the boil. Obviously, Max Bird injury was was a big one. McGoldrick's not scored, I think, in four now, which is obviously something that we've not really been used to over the last three months. Is it is it just accumulation of everything, Justin? All of a sudden, it's just it's kind of catching up with Derby a little bit. 
And I think it's fair to say on that un- on that unbeaten run of 15 games, Derby were probably punching above the station a little bit. You're probably quite right in, in that Derby were probably punching a little bit in that in that unbeaten run. I think they, you know, I went to quite a few of the, the games in that period. I went to Port Vale away and Port Vale away and, and Derby for 60 minutes were quite underwhelming again, but they, they had that quality to, to fight back. And whilst it was an amazing away win, that's when the alarm bells start to ring is when you can't match an opposition's intensity. Um, it, it, it does give other teams the ideas of how to play against you. And we're seeing that time and time again at, at the moment. I think as well as that, and it's quite important to point out, a lot of the teams that are in the top six or pushing for the top six were able to freshen extensively in January. You look at Bolton, who added Cameron Jerome, um, Victor Adebayejo. A lot of teams added quite a lot of quality. Ipswich signed uh, Nathan Broadhead and and a few more. Plymouth, I don't know, signed four or five players as well. So uh, those teams added to their squad, added to their depth, added to the quality, whereas Derby brought in Tony Springer, who's not played many senior games, Harvey White, who has quality, but like Max Bird earlier on in the season, is needing to adapt again to League One because physically it's a completely different bag um, to, to what he's probably used to. I know he had a loan spell at Portsmouth last season, but still there's a that area uh, that you know, need to adapt. And as well as that, there just wasn't players around for Paul Warren to bring in. We needed fullbacks, as, as Gab's already alluded to. We needed um, someone with pace to come in up front as well because Asula went back and I know he wasn't pulling up trees, but he still added a different dimension and a lot of energy in that final third that no one in the squad can really match. So I think, yes, Derby were punching above their weight, probably riding the crest of a wave as well. During that unbeaten run, there's a lot of experience being shown in games. But right now we're getting to that busy period, the business end of the season where stakes are high. Um, teams that are pushing from promotion really come out of the four. They are able to remain intense uh, in games throughout the 90 minutes and Derby just unable to, to to cope with that because of the lack of depth, because of the age of some of the players, because of the inexperience of other players. It's just not a nice mix. And as, as Gab said, the squad's a bit of a mess. It is. It was recruited for a senior because he wanted to play a possession style of football. You can imagine that not many of those players probably would have been signed by by Paul Warren should he have been in charge in the summer. Jack, one of the things I want to talk about before we move on to uh, on to future th- future games is Conor Oran. Um, he's been hoiked off twice in the last two games before half time. A player yeah. that, when obviously Derby signed him in the summer, I, I think it's very fair to say the majority of Derby fans went wow, and I think everybody in League One went oh wow that Derby had managed to get him. Um, we've had this conversation many many times on the podcast this this season that we've been a little bit underwhelmed with what Conor Horahan brings, hence possibly the reason why he ended up at a League One club. But to be hoiked off twice in two games before half time against Fleetwood and again against Portsmouth that uh, sorry Plymouth not the other P Peterborough um that to me is probably and and then there were some comments wasn't there from Paul Warren after the game where he he sort of alluded to saying he, he kind of knows what the problem is but he he won't say it because he doesn't want to throw his own players under the bus um is is there a couple of players in this side Jack at the moment that we expect a bit more from, or Paul Warren certainly expects more from as being 
senior pros, I think he's probably aiming it at these rather than the younger lads. He's expecting the experienced lads out there when games are going like they did on Saturday and like they did at Plymouth and, and certainly against Fleetwood where your experience needs to grasp hold of it. You you want more than just your captain being a captain on the pitch. You've got all this experience of players and they all seem to be going a little bit missing for large portions of games over the last three or four, Jack. And, and when times are odd, and I know when Derby conceded the first goal on on Saturday, Connor Oran was absolutely screaming at somebody in the back line. But it was Connor Horahan's man, I think, that he, he missed in midfield and could have brought him down. We know it's not it's the dark arts of football, isn't it? It would have been a cynical foul, free kick, Derby get back. Instead, we, he, he hasn't got the pace anymore. It, we get caught out and, and they score on the counter. But Connor Oran's screaming at other people. Or some of the or some of the more experienced pros, Jack, in this team at this moment in time, just you know, starting to let let the side down a little bit. Do you think? I mean, probably. Paul Warren has said of of late. I think it was after that Plymouth game. That was the first game that he really came out after the match, doing his post match interviews with Rams TV and Radio Derby, and he was really starting to give the players a bit of stick, which is something that he hadn't done to that point. We've now seen it a few times. We're seeing Conor Hurahan, as you say, be dragged off. And I'm thinking, going back to Gav's point about the high quality that doesn't quite fit, it is. I think the Conor Hurahan thing is perhaps one of the most obvious symbols of this kind of high quality mess, where you've got these brilliant players on paper that don't quite fit together. And under the restrictions that Derby are under, they can't they can't rectify that. They can't add. They can't, you know, because of where we've been. And I think I think Conor Hurahan is is one, you know, one key example of that of late. You know, there's there's definite quality there. That's undeniable. But if he can't keep up with the game at this level, which is so often about physicality and things, then what you know, how much good is that? You need players that are hungry as well. And I I wonder whether that's something Paul Warren's questioning, taking him off. You know, that's a humiliation, right? Being taken off before half-time, two games in a row, senior pro who's, you know, seen or was seen at the start of the season is too good for this level. I guess the hope is there that it's going gonna, it's gonna to fire him up because it's it's been very, yeah, very disappointing of late. Yeah, no. On, and I just had a point about Conor Hurahan. Um, I've I've been impressed with him, and I've not been impressed with him this season. Um, but I think the important thing is to remember about Hurahan is he's he's a bit of a luxury player in the midfield. Um, yeah. And I think with luxury players, you need players who are going to not do the dirty work, but that's a bit of a cliche. But do the dirty work essentially. I, I go back to that Villa team. He was playing alongside John McGinn and Glenn Whelan. Two, well, you got Glenn Whelan, who was a senior pro at that point, um, and then John McGinn, who's a, a whiz everywhere, isn't he? And then you go back to you go to that Swansea team where he um, did relatively well on loan, slightly slight drop off in form, but he was playing alongside like sort of Matt Grimes, Jay Fulton, again younger, high energy players in a Steve Cooper system that was very disciplined, very structured. Um, and then Sheffield United, Sanderberg, Oli Norwood, there, there were players there who could mask those um, weaknesses of Conor Ruhan and allow him to express himself, especially in that Villa team. Um, and I just think I don't think Derby have those those types of players. Um, and I just think it comes down to a personnel issue that 
Huran's probably having to do things that he's not very good at. Um, and that's probably why his performances have been lacklustre at times. 100%. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I, I think I think we saw this actually at the beginning of uh, Derby, obviously under a senior. You you could see he, he, he first few games under a senior, he was playing... Now, obviously, I've, I'm not saying I've watched Conor Oran throughout his career, but obviously it's, it's a name that you that you remember from uh, Barnsley, certainly, and, and moving into Villa and stuff like that. But I even I think, Justin, you bang on. You, you saw that under a senior. He, he was playing much more deeper than he ever did, of, um, than, than I think he's used to playing. And then I think when Paul Warren came in, he sort of, there was a period of three or four games. I know that's not a lot, unfortunately, but there was a period of three or four games where it sort of like it fitted. Um, and he just, it, we got not the best out of him, but probably the better we've seen of him in a Derby shirt. And then all of a sudden it's just been one week. He does okay for 45 and then he goes missing again. And you, But he is a luxury player. And obviously I know one of the things certainly, and this is this wasn't necessarily a you know have a go at Aura and conversation, but it, it comes into it. One of the things that Connor Aura and should bring Derby is brilliant set pieces because we know he can take a great set piece. This this year in the Derbyshire, he's been awful. His set piece taking has been absolutely terrible uh, from corners, free kicks. I'd, I'd I'd be surprised if he's actually got an assist from that. Um, the goals that he has can scored. I, can I just? Can I can I just ask Jason because I'm quite curious about this. Uh, do you think Conor Horahan's been dropping too deep at times? Yeah. Because I saw the Lincoln game back in February, and this on this occasion you're without Max Bird, and it felt like Conor Horahan and Jason Knight kind of had to do more of the controlling jobs that Max Bird would normally do, which didn't really suit them. So I think Conor Horahan is at his best when you get him on the ball, ideally as close to the final third as possible. Some team, sometimes even popping up on the left flank to put crosses in, in and stuff. And I've, I feel like there's a certain amount of freedom that you, you kind of want him to have. Uh, do you feel, I'm wondering if you feel like he's had that this season? Uh, pr- probably not in all games. I think just in Jack, jump in on this as well. I think under a senior, there was a couple of times where it, he started off in the middle, but he did kind of float out to the left a little bit and of in, yeah. in interchange and in change of foot, he, he did kind of find himself out there. And I think certainly his goals, I think, is it five? I think he scored four. It's certainly four or five. I think he scored. Um, I would argue that every single one of them, I believe, has been when he's been much more advanced. I remember he scored against Oxford on on his debut on the first game of the season in in a game derby with pretty lackluster in, and and he popped one in from the edge of the box. He got two against, was it Wickham at Pride Park? I think it was when uh, earlier on under Rossinia, and both of those were goals inside the area because he'd managed to to push forward. And yeah, but I always think, for me personally, when I hear the name Conor Oran, I remember those performances that he used to have as Barnsley in that midfield. Any time Derby yeah. ever came up against him, he'd tear as a new one. He, he was that type of player. Now, I appreciate his five, six, seven, in fact, years probably on from that and that point in his career. But he has always been more of a forwarder thinking player. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. certainly under Rossinia, he was held back a little bit. And then at times, unfortunately, under Warm because of injury and, and whatever else, he's he's probably not been able to express himself. Um, but as we know, Paul Warren definitely wants players who's got legs. And I think it's, you know, you have to be honest and say somebody at the age of 31 turning 32 probably doesn't have the legs for a Paul Warren style 
of football. So he's there more for his his ball playing, his his set piece kind of play. But mm. unfortunately, we've well, not seen enough of that for, of of him in, in a derby just, shirt. Just uh, just on the point of uh, Paul Warren style, um, I think it's. Um, I, I can. I mean, I don't know what it's been like so much for uh, for this season. Maybe it has been a bit more direct than under a senior, but I think a lot of it does can come down to par- personnel. So when one was at Rotherham, he had uh, players like Michael Hickway at centre back, who just isn't that great on the ball. So obviously that lends itself to a more direct style. But for the first nine games of the Championship season this year, they had slightly more ball playing defenders. So who did they bring in? They brought in um, I think it was a uh, uh, Hall for a lad from Middlesbrough, uh, Cameron Humphreys, and um, I think Jason McCart. So basically, defenders who were better, a bit better on the ball, and stylistically, because they didn't have a target man in Michael Smith, they played it a bit more on the deck. Now I imagine it's been a bit more direct than it maybe it was under Azenia for Derby, but I do think that with when it comes to Warren, sometimes we assume that he plays a certain way because of how his Rotherham side did, when for a lot of that time he didn't have the defenders to uh, to play a bit more on the deck. Yeah, that's a conversation that um, we had. I think the the night that Liam Rosinia was relieved of his duties, it was Justin. I think it was me, you, and Corey. And you were you were mm. talking about this where he's. There's a few misconceptions around that where he can actually just work with work with what he's got. On on kind of Hurrahan, it's uh, seven goals, nine assists that he's got this season, and that, I think that left wing point as well. Actually, thinking back to games like the Accrington game at Pride Park on what was that second of January, the four 0 he popped up on that left wing a, a fair few times and did really well. And it was really advanced positions. He had that freedom to roam, and again, it's maybe another one of those players that where the puzzle piece doesn't quite fit it's a top quality one but it doesn't you know it's not fitting in there that it doesn't quite fit together and maybe our expectations are based purely on individual quality when the sum of its parts the sum of the parts of the team are not greater than the individuals well i have to say yeah, I'm, that's actually, really I'm, interesting actually, point. I'm absolutely shocked with those stats if that's what it is seven goals and nine assists from somebody who I would say have, has had a pretty mediocre season, and then you look at somebody like um, Mendes Lang that I think most fans would say has had a pretty decent up until probably the last three or four weeks at Dart Throw, probably five or six weeks because it looks like he is absolutely burnt <laughs> out. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if Mendes Lang's stats are better than uh, better than Oran's because they're not he, exactly. But he comes across as a player that has been very much the forefront of, of Derby's season this year. So I suppose it just goes to show you sometimes there are players out there, aren't there, that maybe you uh, you don't always give the uh, give the benefit of the doubt to. And at the end of the day, stats stats are there and it, he's going about his job quietly. But yeah, I'm 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 quite surprised and shocked that or at, I think anybody at in this level who's got that kind of a stat gab from midfield at this point in the season, you'd be you'd be quite ex, quite happy to have that kind of a player. 16 goal involvements in in what 38 games or whatever we're up to I think I think that's a one in three sort of ratio I think that's pretty impressive yeah but I think again it probably comes back to uh the fact that Hurahan needs to be let off the leash a little bit and given a bit of given a bit of free reign to just go and deliver those numbers because I think that I don't know, it just doesn't really feel like a Hurahan type of thing to 
you know, drop in and try and collect the ball because I don't know whether he's almost too expressive for that kind of role. Whereas where, what you get maybe with a Max Bird is that he's more comfortable just being the one that's conducting the tempo and being patient with it and finding the right time to play the more adventurous passes. Whereas I don't know whether Hurahan's just a bit more impatient to do that, whether it's just like he wants to do things too quickly, which kind of lends itself to playing further up the pitch, where if you are expressive and do try and do something uh, brilliant, you're, you're more likely to get the results for it. Whereas if you're playing deeper, sometimes you want maybe a, um, a steadier head, someone that's just going to conduct things, keep hold of things, and then... Uh, and then wait for your chance. So whether there's an element of that, uh, possibly, but it certainly shows that Hurahan can deliver the numbers, even if he isn't necessarily uh, hugely involved in in the game in in other ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am really shocked actually by those stats. But just to round this chat piece up, Justin, is there? I'm, I'm playing very much devil devil's advocate here, but is is there any part of certainly Hurahan is de- is definitely a big one. Uh, McGoldrick, obviously, we've we've seen the quality that McGoldrick's got, certainly at this level. Is there any of it where these players are and and were in the last twelve months playing Premier League, but Championship? Is there a few of them that are looking at it? Do you think at the moment and thinking, oh, you know, I came in League One, wanted to achieve something, things have started to go a little bit off the boil. Is do you think there's one or two egos in the Derby side at the moment that Paul Warren's kind of struggling to to combat and that and that attributes to some of the fall off in performance at the moment? I don't think I don't think there are egos, but I think there are some players who have got bags of experience that Paul Warren's probably not used to managing. There are personalities there that have played at a very high level. Um, you've got you know, quite a few internationals in there as well. And just I think Paul Warren's probably not managed those personalities, but I think it comes down to profile of the squad that is the main the main hiccup. I think Paul Warren's very capable of of managing those players. You look at David McGoldrick, for example, he's been a part of a Chris Wilder side. You need to be very humble to play for a Chris Wilder side, and McGoldrick showed he could do that to to a very good level. Um, and his players showed last season, Max Bird, Jason Knight, um, all of those types of players showed that they can play in a humble side as well. So I think it, I don't think it's egos. I just think it's I think it's profile of squad that is the, the main hiccup for for uh, for Paul Warren at the moment. And you can see his frustration. You can sense his frustration in in post match presses. It's frustrating for everybody, and it's just one of those things that until Derby hit form again, might have to grit our teeth a little bit. So then, chaps, as a another as a top six contender for Derby at the weekend comes and rolls by, yet another one on on Saturday at home uh, in the form of the Tractor Boys, um, Ipswich Ipswich Town. Justin, um, a lot of Derby fans said that the Peterborough game was a bit of a six pointer. I was sort of off and off with that. I don't think there's no denying if Derby want to be in the playoffs by the end of the season, this one, not that it's a six-pointer in terms of obviously the team behind us, but this is a team that, you know, Derby can't afford to lose on Saturday, can they really? If if they want to 
if they really want to start to inject a bit more of consistency and a bit more of a run of form between now and the end of the season, Ipswich is it's going to be a tough game. Pride Park, obviously a place where Derby have picked up the majority of good results this season, other than Fleetwood removed. Um, and I would have actually have said, even if we'd have beaten Fleetwood and still lost on Saturday against Peterborough, this was going to be, this is the test on Saturday. This is where Derby lie between now and the end of the season. This was going to be a real, a real game at Pride Park from a, from a team who obviously kind of dipped in and out in in and around that new year period, but just recently have, have managed to find the feet again. I don't want to say it's all or nothing for Derby on Saturday, but are we getting close to that point, Justin, where, where Derby are going to have to, um, when you look at some of the other teams in and around us and their fixture run, um, it is, is a defeat for Derby catastrophic on Saturday? I don't think it's catastrophic. It will certainly be a big blow and be disappointing. I mean, losing three on the bounce is always a, a bitter pill to swallow, especially when you've embarked on an unbeaten run for quite an extensive amount of time that Derby did sort of midway through the season. Ipswich are a good side. They've won six on the bounce, run beating in 10. They've got a raft of players who probably should be playing at championship level. Um, and it's going to be a difficult game. They, they've they hit, um, they're in a period at the moment where they've, they've seemed to have hit, hit their, hit their stride essentially. Um, and teams like that are very difficult to stop. So it's got to be one of those games where, you embrace your underdog status and you take it to Ipswich because Derby are going to be underdogs. There's no doubt about it. I think Derby would have been underdogs anyway. You look at it. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those things that perhaps Paul Warren will probably thrive in um, as opposed to being the side that are needing to, well, needing to get a win to, to appease, to appease supporters. I think expectations will have dropped. I think that's going to suit, suit Derby. I think the pressure is going to be lifted a little bit. That being said, I don't think it's catastrophic, catastrophic if Derby lose. Um, but there needs to be a performance first and foremost, and hopefully that performance gone as a result at the end of the day. I think a draw would be a decent result against a team who are flying at the moment. Um, but that being said, as I say, yeah, Derby, Derby need a performance. They need a 75, 80 minute performance, not a 45 minute performance. I think everybody knows that. And I think if we can get that out of the players, I think that will make me more confident going into the last stretch rather than losing and, you know, losing with a whimper essentially. Mm. I think, Gab, Derby, I go back to uh, beginning of October, middle of October, I think it was when Derby faced Ipswich at Portman Road, third, fourth game of Warren's tenure. I think it might have been something like that. And obviously that day, Derby ended up losing 1-0, in which was, uh, it was, I think it was the game where Curtis Davis made the mistake, wasn't it, that... Uh, but in the game sort of had nil-nil written all over it, whilst I want to say Ipswich were top of the league, I think, when we played them, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously in, in in a fair bit of form. It's almost the same old, the same. Um, Derby are on in different form as we were coming into that one. Ipswich are absolutely flying, although they've obviously given up their top two berth, unfortunately for them. Um, similar question to you, Gab. Do you think, do you think this is a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, last not last chance? No, it's not last chance saloon because there is still eight games to go. But th- this could really, really dent Derby, couldn't it? Even even more so than probably Fleetwood and and um, and Peterborough have done over the last last couple of weeks. Just because obviously they are at home, uh, 
it's it's clearly a side that uh, if the table finished today as as it was th- this would be the this would be the the semi final so th- this is this is really a, a big game because I don't I don't see Ipswich catching in my opinion I don't see Ipswich catching the top two um, it, I think the only side that could potentially do that is Barnsley if I'm honest. Um, even though Ipswich have won their last five or six in a row, yeah, I, I, I still think Barnsley. I mean, I still think Barnsley have have got something behind them at the moment. I think they're the ones that yeah. do it. Um, although, you I, can... I, do you know, Jason, I feel sorry for whoever's going to miss out because I think there's four fantastic teams there, mm. and at least one of them, if not two, is going to not be playing Championship football next season. So, I think the standard of the automatic promotion race is really high, and maybe any of those teams in another season could easily have run away with the league. Yeah, oh, it's been relentless, hasn't it? I mean, obviously, Derby tried <laughs> to keep up and they went on an incredible run and I think gained about three points in two months. It was ridiculous. But for you, Gab, looking at it, for obviously, from the outside, really, Derby, mm. Ipswich, it's obviously a big game in League One. It, it, it'll be 30,000 plus at Pride Park, I believe. It's it's pretty close to. Best part of 3,000 Ipswich fans coming up from uh, from, from East Anglia there. Mm. Um, is it a... A must win or a must not lose for Derby, do you think, on Saturday? I think, I don't think it's healthy for Derby to go into uh, any game with that sort of mindset. I I think you've kind of just got to take each individual game on its own merit. And I think we can sometimes sort of grand, grand things up a little bit and talk about huge games and must win games and massive games. But it's just, you know, it's an important match. Like uh, like any other, I think what I would say is it's going to be important for Derby to prove that they can deliver against um, some of the top six sides. You've mentioned Jason that even during your best run of the season, you didn't really beat anyone other than Bolton. And I think that probably improving the record, I don't have it hand, but improving the record, I would imagine against the side also in the top six would be quite an important thing if you were to get into the playoffs as well because it boosts, gives you a bit of confidence, a bit of muscle memory going into the playoffs that, you know, we've beaten some of these teams before. So I think that's going to be really important. But um, And also just finding back some of that solidity that we saw from Warren when he first took charge because he kept a lot of clean sheets in the first sort of 15 or so games after Warren took over. And um, But it felt like there was a lot of players out of position and it was a little bit makeshift defence and it's kind of felt like a bit like that all season. But I think if you can, can re-establish some sort of solidity in that defence, um, then I think that, that could go a long way. Jack, your opinions on Saturday? Again, it has to be the same question. It for, is, is this a must-not-lose for Derby rather than than anything else? In terms of playoff hopes and being able to uh, finish with enough points to get into that top six there are you know there's what eight games after this mm. seven or eight games after this one so that's you know there's there's more than enough opportunities there what would what worries me slightly is three defeats in a row the mentality how much blow that is for the players it would also be back-to-back home defeats for only the second time this season, uh, and the first time we've had back-to-back home defeats in the league, Ipswich have won their last six, and their goal difference across those six is scored 16, and have not conceded. Before that, 
and they're also sort of 10 unbeaten in the league as well. So they're, they're some numbers that I'm just throwing out there for the sake of it, because I've just seen them. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a very difficult task, but it is. It's all about kind of going, I've said it a million times over the past few weeks, it's getting out of this kind of rut and hoping to get into the playoffs and the better form we're in going into that and the better momentum we have behind us, the more chance we've got of doing well in the playoffs, even if it's very slim. So that that's where it's key. It's for the mentality, it's for the players. It's three defeats in a row. It'd be a huge blow, I think. Justin, we might have a secret weapon on Saturday in in David McGoldrick, obviously coming up against his against his former club where he obviously did so well for that for that three or four um year period. We know he's synonymous with scoring goals at Pride Park. We've not seen him score in the last three or four games. Um any time that uh, David McGoldrick wants to score at Attrick, which he only ever seems to do in a Derbyshire, clearly, um sat- Saturday would be an absolute uh, absolute cracking time for him to do that, wouldn't it? It would, but I don't think Jack's stats really back up that notion that uh, that anyone's going to score a hat trick against Ipswich anytime soon. Yeah. But you know that the amount of clean sheets they've they've they've, um, they've kept is is incredible, really. Um, so I think it's going to take a moment of quality um, from a player of, of David McGoldrick caliber if Derby are going to get a result to 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 show something. And I think he's got that ability to pop up. But uh, as I've said, I think there are a lot of players who. You know, look at Conor Conor Huran, for example. I know we've we've sort of debated his, his influence and involvement in the team, but he's got that ability to have a a moment of quality, whether that be a cross, a pass, or we've seen with late goals against Oxford and Wickham scoring. Um, and it's going to take one of those moments to to, to get a result against Ipswich. Um, Derby have got it in them. It's just whether or not there's the confidence and momentum there, and it's, it's something that's difficult to, to 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 gather. But as I say, they've got it in them and. If we're going to start an unbeaten run, why not start it against Ipswich in, in between now and the end of the season? Yeah, no, I, I agree. As I say, they could they could easily be Derby's opponents in the playoffs, which <laughs> I'm sure they'd be. I'm sure they might even both sides might think about that unconsciously, maybe, but obviously not admit it. Um, my final point for everybody, apart from me and Jack, who's going to record something after this. Um, obviously, in every division, usually, or certainly at this level, the Easter. Easter weekend is is obviously after after the Ipswich game where you get the the game on the Friday and the Monday and that sometimes can go a long way to sort to start to level out the the divisions in in promotion races and, and relegation races with at that point what would be six or seven games to go um, from a Derby's perspective I'm sure you all know the fixtures Forest Green away on the Friday. Uh, Milton MK Dons on the Monday. Now, I would say you would expect that to be a, a comfortable six points. However, we saw exactly what Forest Green did to uh, Sheffield Wednesday on Sunday, so it's probably not as easy. Um, Gab, obviously, is somebody who, who follows this all over. Easter weekend is synonymous with, with, with certainly EFL football that that does normally start to let, sort of line things out. You you hear those two fixtures, Forest Green away, MK Dons at home. Hmm. Derby's lips should really be, you know, you should be licking your lips at those two if you're in form, if you're in the playoffs and you're in form. Um, with just after making this Ipswich, for me personally, making this Ipswich game more of a, I don't ever like to 
only take a point at home. I really don't. But if Derby can, a bit like Justin just said, start of an unbeaten run, you get something somehow on Saturday against Ipswich, who, let's face it, are absolutely flying at the minute, them and Barnsley. Um, you get something against that. And then you've got two of the lesser, if you want to call them that, no disrespects. Two teams are obviously absolutely fighting relegation at the moment, um, which is, as I say, no given. But it's it's a kinder two fixtures uh, than than obviously Derby have faced over the last few weeks. And that that's where I'm coming from, from the try and stay undefeated on, on Saturday, if you possibly can. I mean, go out and beat Ipswich would be incredible. Chances are then Derby would go to Forest Green and, and, and lose comfortably. That's that's probably what would happen. But we're getting we're getting towards the nitty gritty gab. It's do, do you see much of a much of a move and shake in that top six over the next eight weeks? Um, if you're to ask me uh, now, um, I would probably go for the top six to stay as it is. In um, uh, well, I would say I think I think first to fourth is kind of like a bit of a mini league, and then I think Derby will finish fifth or sixth sort of alternating with Bolton. And I think your Peterboroughs, your Wickhams, your Portsmouth might just miss out. The reason I go against Peterborough is just because they've just been chronically inconsistent, where they lost 3-0 at home to Cheltenham. They've uh, lost 5-0 to Bolton. And I know Derby have had some poor results as well uh, to Fleetwood. But I feel like, um, yeah, I I feel like Derby might just have the edge in terms of some of that individual quality. Um, so I think Derby will probably just sneak into the into the top six. Justin, similar for you. If you if obviously you, you take your second tier pod uh, at off and you put your third tier at on, um, what what do you reckon between that next what eight weeks? Do you think there's going to be much in terms of the teams? Do you think there'll be any? major surprises they might shuffle for position but do you kind of think those top six six are kind of the top six we expect at the uh the end of the season you're asking a pessimist um yeah it's as a derby fan it's very difficult for me to confidently say derby will finish in the top six um there's seven games to play in april uh which is a lot of games for someone like david mcgoldrick for example uh and craig for you know players who have had injury problems they're on you know in the twilight of their careers. Um, so my, my my gut would tell me that Derby might just miss out. I might disagree with Gab there. But as I say, I'm a pessimist Derby fan. Um, but if I was to be very logical, I would expect Derby's quality to 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 come through in these next, well, that would be our big April 7 games and then go into that Wednesday game, maybe having a bit of a, not of a free hit, but um, maybe a comfortable three, four point lead over whoever's in seventh or, or eighth or whatever. Um, so I'll give you two answers. Good would say no. Heart maybe might say yes. I, yeah, very difficult one to pin down being a Derby supporter. No, absolutely. Your heart would say no. Your head would say yes. <laughs> so I, it's what I mean. It adds so much confusion because I'm I'm so torn on it, and I've seen a lot of really disappointing performances this season that would make me say no. But it's just that hope, isn't it? It's a hope as a Derby fan. The hope that kills you, <laughs> uh, Jack. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you answer the same question, mate. What, what do you think? Is there going to be much much change in that top six between now and the end? I mean, I think, as, as Gab said, I, um, I'd i agree. Uh, seventh and eighth, you know, Wickham and Peterborough are the others kind of in that race. You've got, I, uh, I, I was speaking to Corey the other day and I sent him, I drew some lines on the table and that top four, certainly, that's a mini league. And then I feel like 
fifth to fifth to eighth are kind of competing for those other two playoff spots. Portsmouth outside chance. That's Derby's last home game of the season as well, by the way, penultimate game of the season. Portsmouth at home. So uh, that if Derby falter a little bit or if Portsmouth pick up, that could be a six pointer that close to the end. You know what? Derby have, as Justin said, really good performances, really disappointing performances. It's really hard to know. In the current form, I'm thinking probably just miss out. But again, I'm being pessimistic. We could. I'm, I'm pretty 50 50. I, 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 honestly, I don't know what. I want to say yes, but then I also want to say no so that I don't get disappointed. I, I don't know where I am. Well, I, I, I think we might. Um, I think we might be in them. We'll come up against Burton and slip out of them because we can never beat Burton. And then, uh, yeah, that, that Portsmouth game we might just fight our way back into it. So I think there might well be something riding on that Sheffield Wednesday game. And as I've said a couple of times this season, they haven't forgotten what we did to them two years ago. So uh, yeah, that that could be that could be really interesting. But uh, time will tell. Um, but obviously, we'll, we'll focus on what's coming up, and that is Ipswich on Saturday at Pride Park. Um, and that is all for the first this half of the chat. Justin from Second Tier Podcast, thank you very much for joining us, mate. No, always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to come on. And Gab, thanks very much for your insights, mate. We will, no worries, uh, if Derby are in that race towards the end, we'll uh, we'll definitely get you on for a bit of a for a bit of a super pod about that, and hopefully going into the playoffs, you can give us the lowdown. And um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, mates. Appreciate I, it. I'd love to. Uh, just uh, just on a final note, first, first of all, thanks a lot for having me. Great to chat to you, uh, Jack and, and Justin. Uh, just uh, also, if people will want more of my stuff, you can uh, drop me a follow on Twitter at Gabson, and I also have a show called EFL Debate where I chat various things EFL uh, across different leagues. We've got Championship and League One on Wednesdays and League Two on Thursdays, so check that out. So uh, follow me on Twitter at Gabson and follow the hashtag. EFL debate, no problem at all. And of course, Justin, you you, you didn't plug, but we we all know who you are, obviously from from the second tier pod on uh, on all socials. Um, it's obviously not really one that I've been listening to this year because Derby haven't been part of it. It's it's not not something that I'm that interested in, uh, to be honest. But um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you both on. Thank you very much for joining us, lads. And uh, yes, yeah, we'll definitely try and get you on before the end of the season. No, worries. Cheers. cheers, guys. Lovely. Cheers, mate. So thanks to Justin, our thanks to Gab for talking all things Derby County men's. We're now going to move on to Derby County women, as we said we would last week. And we've got the perspective of me and Jack on this one, because we were both at the game on Sunday at Pride Park. Unfortunately, it was Nottingham Forest ladies two, Derby women nil in a record-breaking crowd fixture at, at Pride Park, Jack. We were both there. We both witnessed a pretty entertaining, in my opinion, uh, for my yeah. first ever women's game. I know you've been to a few. Um, my first ever women's game, I took my little ones along, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was very different, obviously, from, from a normal match day for me personally. Um, I had a beer in the stands, which is something you don't normally, you're not normally allowed to do. I sat in the East stand, which is not normally something that I do. I'm, I'm a South stander myself uh, for, for obviously the men's team. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a great advert for, for women's football. I certainly enjoyed it. I'd certainly go back to watch a, another fixture. And that's not just a 
you know, a, a Derby Forest fixture. I'd like to go and see the ladies down at uh, Mickelover because I, th- I think that atmosphere down there would be good as well. Um, but as I say, Jack, we were both there, mate. Um, we've we've yeah. got some some chat to have about it. You've got some stats about it. Um, start. We'll, we'll start off with the attendance because I know you've got some stats on it. Yeah. we've just been chatting off here. There, just over five thousand. So it's a, it's a record attendance for this fixture, um, which which was great to see. Great to see a mixture of Derby and Forest. That's still weird. Can I just point out? Sit, I sat yeah. next to two Forest fans. That's really weird. Um, don't think it did work in the men's game, unfortunately. No. You know, nice enough. Um, but all in all, before we talk about the action, as a, as a spectacle for the women's game of a third division um, a, a fixture, a top of the league fixture, it, it was a good day out, Jack. Yeah, it was. I mean, so that the attendance, 5,243, as I've just said to you off air, is up from 5,082 at the City Round back in October. Now, this shocked me. So, in the WSL this weekend, there were two big games. Manchester City played Chelsea and beat Chelsea in a clash that's blown the title race wide open there. And Tottenham hosted Arsenal in North London derby that was played at Brisbane Road. Now, the Derby Forest attendance was higher than the attendance for each of those games in the WSL. Granted, those were played at, as I say, Brisbane Road and then at City's Academy Stadium. So smaller stadiums, so there's not that appeal of, oh, you know, if that's at the Etihad and that's at Tottenham, you're going to get some more some more people there. But but that was huge. And I think Sam Griffiths uh, made a brilliant point after the match in a post-match interview um, where she pointed out all the youngsters waiting for signatures after the game and things. That doesn't happen. The attendance doesn't happen a few years ago. Um, and I think, for me, the significance on a personal level, and I'll, I'll just go into this quickly and not, not dwell on it because I'll break down um, before we uh, go into some analysis. For me, that was first game back at Pride Park and first game I've been to without Dad. Um, so that was difficult. But what that made me realise is the bond that you get with the club, right? How difficult that felt, holding back the tears in the pre-match. Um, this is going somewhere. This isn't just a tangent, but what that's made me realise is that if you you think about all the young kids who would have gone to Pride Park for the first time on Sunday, and how many more kids have been inspired and will have that bond and have that with the families, and I think what I come back to is, and I've mentioned this before on pod, is Bobby Robson's quote, right? Um, this is quite a famous quote from his book, My Kind of Two. And in it, he mentions um, a boy and his father. Uh, a boy walking up the stairs holding his father's hand. Uh, and obviously that's what it was for me with Dad. But I think the significance is that that now, more than ever, is relevant. Uh, you know, it's more important than ever that we you know, take gender out of that, but that's boys and girls, that's, you know, fathers and mothers, as I say, again, now more than ever. So to, to adapt to it, he asks, what is the club in any case? Not the buildings or the directors or the, or the people paid to represent it. It's not the television contracts, get out clauses, marketing departments or executive boxes. It's the noise, the passion, the feeling of belonging, the, pa- the pride in your city. 
It's a small child clambering up the stadium steps the very first time, gripping their parents' hand, gawping at the hallowed stretch of turf beneath them, and without being able to do a thing about it, falling in love. And for me, that was the significance of Sunday, regardless of the result. How many more youngsters are at that game who are now falling in love with football, falling in love with Derby, or, you know, or Forest? That's still, you know, that's still hugely significant. And the women's game and will want to come back because that, as I say, that's that's significance for me, regardless of the result. That's a, you know, huge attendance for third tier, as I say, beating two massive WSL matches. So it's, it's a huge victory all round, even for Derby, despite the, the loss on the pitch. No, I, I fully agree with you. And see, the, the emotional thing I, I was just saying to you off it, I took my two young guns. It's my youngest son's first ever game. Um, mm-hmm. He's only five. So it's the first time he's ever been inside Pride Park. He's obviously been outside it to the shop and what have you. And he was he was so excited. Uh, my, my elder daughter, she's been to, I took her to the uh, Wolves pre-season under uh, oh, Lampard. Um mm-hmm. I took her to that. That was her first game at the age of like four or five. Um, and she's obviously, she's not massively into football. My little lad's massively into football. So they, they but it's the first ever football game. My wife came with us. It's first ever one I've been with her. Now, don't get me wrong. Football to me is uh, my time, <laughs> not necessarily time with, with my wife, but it just, just to do that as a family. And like you say, you look around, you see all the families that were there. I know where Dawes was there with his kids. I, I did spot him. Obviously, didn't go over. Didn't say anything. It's not really the time or place. I suppose you know that it's just a it's just a family family thing on a Sunday. Um, and I, I say it's the first ever women's game that I've been to, and I, I enjoyed it. And I, I implore anybody who listens to this podcast or um, who is looking for a, I'm not saying a cheap alternative. That's probably not the right turn of phrase, Jack. But uh, wants to follow the follow the women and it is obviously less than the men's and you're still getting a pretty decent standard of football. You're still watching a team that obviously just recently is going to become under part of the, the Derby County umbrella, uh, the full umbrella. Um, and at the end of the day, they, they wear the crest on the shirts and they wear the badge on the heart and, you, you know, get down to Mickelover. Hopefully next time they're at Pride Park, I'll certainly be going. I want to get down to Mickelover between. I don't know if it'll be a, between now and the end of the season because obviously the men's um, season just kind of allow doesn't allow me to do Saturday Sunday football with 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 family. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, it was it was a great spectacle for a first ever time. And as you say, to beat two WSL teams for me is is absolutely massive. Um, Let's move into the action because we've not got a long left. We wanted to talk about this in, in great detail. We've not got too long left on the Zoom, so I want I want to get yeah. stuck in. Um, as we say, Jack, we was there. Um, opening ten minutes, Derby absolutely came flying out of the traps, didn't they? Um, two or three opportunities, an absolute glorious opportunity from Amelia Wilson uh, of Derby that would have put the U Rams one nil up. And I think it's fair to say. Uh, deservedly so, Jack. There was there was more than one or two yeah. opportunities in that opening 10-15 minutes. And I think as that first half kind of grew, um Forrest, I don't know if Derby just looked the better side. And obviously we know Forrest mm-hmm. are top of the league. They're, they're, they're fighting up there to 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 win promotion this season. And I don't think Derby 
were a million miles off in that first half. No, I mean, Sam Griffith said this after the match. He was talking about those two early chances and how that would have, as cliche as it is, that would have completely changed the game. It was very end-to-end. And part of the reasoning behind that, you know, one of the reasons for that was because she went for a very attacking lineup. If you, if you cast your mind back to the reverse picture at the City round in October, Darby went for a very defensive setup. And, you know, attempting to learn from mistakes, they went very attacking, very attacking wing backs and a back three. Um, so that, you know, that made it an action packed game. There were, as, as you say, some really good chances for Derby early on. Forrest got the lead in the half hour mark. Captain Lindsay Harkin putting in a corner. Charlotte Steggles charging in at the back post and uh, heading that in. You know, more more chances for Derby. There was a good, good one just before the break that went over from a fair bit of distance. We got second second goal came on the hour mark. Leeds top scorer Charlotte Greengrass had a very good game in that, particularly in that second half, I thought. Uh, deserved a goal. Earlier on in the game, she rounded Imogen McGuire in net. Uh, but Emily Joyce cleared the ball and uh, and denied her. But then she got in the 60th minute, shot from around 10 yards out, maybe a little bit further, cross goal into that bottom right corner. That was 2-0. At that point, it was pretty much game. Um, you know, Amy Sims, friend of the podcast, um, had a had a chance late on, which went wide. Uh, Darby caused a lot of problems down at left-hand side. Becky, uh, Becky McGrath actually, yeah, you know, again, very good. Her and Kira Rye on the right in that first half caused, as I say, caused a lot of problems, I thought. And, and yeah, Forrest still top of the league. I mentioned last week Burnley Wolves was taking place, which would have been huge. That didn't happen, so either BBC Sport was wrong or it's been postponed. Um, but yeah, Derby, fourth in the league, Brickhouse Town up next to a fifth. That's on Saturday at the Don Amot Arena. Uh, reverse fixture was a 1-0 win for Derby, actually. Um, and considering what Sam Griffiths was saying post-match about at the start of the season, Derby's aim was simply to avoid relegation. Being, you know, with fourth out of 12, a, considering the circumstances of a difficult pre-season, it's been excellent. And something that we hope we can keep keep covering for the rest of the season and going forward into next season, as I can hopefully get down to more games. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nice sum up of the game, Jack. And I would agree with you. I was uh, Amy up front, obviously, like say, friend of the podcast, huffed and puffed up front. Nothing quite dropped for her. I was quite impressed with um, Derby's number four, Megan Clarkson, uh, who played yeah. sort of a, of a left of a three at the back. Uh, very, very keen to go um, go down the back. Uh, Emily Joyce in midfield was was pretty solid as well. I quite quite enjoyed her performance. As you say, uh, Becky McGrath, Kira Rye. Uh, Kira was, was definitely working hard down that right-hand side. Um, but unfortunately, in the end, those little opportunities, those little chances that you would hoped that Derby would have taken, uh, unfortunately they didn't. So it ended up... Um, in the end, that little bit of quality shone through from Forrest and it was a 2-0 win for Forrest, but definitely didn't disgrace themselves. And no, it was a great advert for, for, for women's football. And that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Ram Review podcast. Thanks to Justin. Thanks to Gab for their insights. Thanks to Jack. Obviously looking forward to next week's podcast. We'll have all the fallout from the Ipswich game. And then we're looking ahead towards that Easter doubleheader Forest Green away, MK Dons at home, 
It's always a pivotal time in any EFL season. And we'll see where Derby sit after that for the remaining running of, what, six, seven games. Fingers crossed Corey's back with us next week. Hopefully we'll have a um, good episode. And of course, we'll always have a jam-packed panel. But until next time, thanks very much for listening, everybody. And as always, up the ramps. Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams.